Hello, 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 and welcome to the first ever weekly recap podcast from NBN. I'm James Crisofulli, your host, uh, and today I was joined by Ryan Boyd, and we talked about a lot of different things from this week, um, focused on the, firstly, the Intel report from the intelligence community that just came out. A lot of interesting stuff in there. We'll unpack that. And then also Howard Schultz is announcing his candidacy for president. Um, Very interesting running as a third party, running as an independent. uh, And we'll talk a lot about that. So please, without further ado, enjoy and tune in next week for another edition. And also read the article, the weekly recap. Thanks so much. Enjoy. James, Chris Afoli, and I'm here with Ryan Boyd uh, to discuss this week's events. Um, a lot of exciting news this week, as normal. Uh, but yeah, let's get right to it. We each kind of picked a story that we that resonated with us this week and that we wanted to talk about. So um, I'm going to kind of start us off with the, uh, the story that um, the Intel report came out this week by the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Um, and it was the worldwide threat assessment. So basically anything that the U.S. Com- uh, Intelligence Committee views as a credible threat to U.S. national security, um, anything from Russian hacking to um, uh, climate change. And it was kind of, it was very interesting because a lot of it sort of contradicted a lot of things we've been hearing from the Trump administration and from the White House. Um, yeah, <laughs> big shocker there. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to emphasize this is this is a bipartisan committee. Um, it has, you know, anyone from, people from Kamala Harris to Marco Rubio sitting on it. Um, but it, 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 it's a committee of people committed to um, distributing facts and getting the facts right and really putting the national security in their best interest. And it's vetted and it's uh, evidence-based. And so I just wanted to highlight a few things that are in the report. One thing, they, they identify climate change in there. So here's a quote from it. Global environmental and ecological degradation, as well as climate change, are likely to fuel competition for resources, economic distress, and social discontent through 2019 and beyond. Um, on North Korea, they say, we continue to assess that North Korea is unlikely to give up all of its nuclear weapons and production capabilities, even as it seeks to negotiate par- partial denuclearization steps to obtain key U.S. and international concessions. With respect to ISIS, they say, ISIS still commands thousands of fighters in Iraq and Syria, and it maintains eight branches, more than more than a dozen networks, and thousands of dispersed supporters around the world. And finally... With respect to Russia, they say we expect that Russia's intelligence services will target United States seeking to collect intelligence, erode U.S. democracy, undermine U.S. national policies and foreign relationships, and increase Moscow's global position and influence. So are you saying that North Korea did not give up its nuclear weapons, ISIS is not defeated, and Russia is not a huge threat in the next elections? Ryan, that is exactly what I'm saying. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> I you know. Have this known. might blow your mind. Yeah, you would not have known by listening to the president no. over the past few years. No, you would not. So, 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about sort of this tension between the president and the intelligence community. This seems like sort of a, a um, returning fire after a, a long and bitter battle between the president and the intelligence community, um, and we're, we've seen that play out over the over the past year and a half. Yeah, it's it's interesting that that presenting an accurate picture of what's happening in the world is considered firing back at President Trump. <laughs> I, he's just such a liar. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's nothing else to it. He lies uh, to, to convince his voters uh, that, you know, what is best for him is what's happening in the world, when in fact that's, that's clearly not the case. And mm-hmm. I think that this, this intelligence report just, you know, highlights that further. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't think it reaches out uh, to more people than you know would otherwise have already known that these were were threats, and and the people who are prone to believe President Trump are going to continue believing President Trump, mm-hmm. no matter what the intelligence community says. You know, I I just don't think that uh, these voters who believe Pizzagate and QAnon are going to change all their beliefs suddenly because Dan Coats testified in front of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. On one level, it is this report functions as, you know, another event in the saga of the conflict between President Trump and the intelligence community. But on another level, it's just a report about the state of the world. And I think we also should also should talk about that just because it does paint a pretty bleak picture of a lot of a lot of things from Russia to China to climate change. Um and it is, you know, the national security community, and they kind of are prone to over, over, you know, emphasizing a lot of different threats. But, um, well, yeah, I think, and I think it, it shows, you know, just, you know, how awful it is that we have a mendacious cable news, cable news addicted president. You know, we have all these threats. Climate change is a dire threat. And we need to basically, you know, scientists came out and said, supported Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's claim that we sort of have 12 years to figure things out and Mm -hmm. to really turn things around before we move beyond a point where we cannot get the disastrous effects of climate change under control. Uh, You know, all these other threats around the world are serious. Russia, China, they need to be dealt with. But the president just doesn't really seem to care and just has no interest in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have tr- President Trump wanting to declare the defeat of I- ISIS. And I think <laughs> the only really, the only real consequence you can see from declaring victory over a group like that is the group wanting to show that they haven't been defeated, mm-hmm. right? So the only thing that that's going to do is provoke ISIS more, which it has already. They've there are uh, there are recent attacks in Afghanistan and Iraq, um, and so I I don't see other than I mean it's it's just clearly an example of him wanting to declare some sort of victory with his name on it because if he had any sense of the tactical repercussions of this. He would know that declaring victory over a group that still has thousands of members is only going to make it the situation worse. Yeah, and I think we've seen that over the past couple of years. Um, you know, with with terrorist attacks uh, in you know both the United States that they've claimed and in Europe that they've claimed. Um, you know, that's sort of you know sort of increased in uh, frequency frequency after uh, you know European countries in the United States really started intervening in the Middle East when the, the coalition against ISIS was was formed, you know, you sort of see that kind of lashing out increase. And so 
I think the conclusion is that Donald Trump doesn't really care. And I think it's, you know, we're just kind of used to it at this point. He's going to lie and say he's winning, even if he's not, or say he's won, even if he hasn't yet. And, you know, if it makes him look good, it makes him look good, no matter what the, the consequences are for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, with respect to China and Russia, the, the Times did a, an interesting story about how Pompeo is now pulling us out of this um, INF agreement uh, treaty with Russia. So it was a treaty to um, avoid proliferation of nuclear of certain types of nuclear weapons. Both countries agreed not to develop um, these intermediate range uh, ballistic missiles. And the U.S. has recently accused Russia of violating that treaty. And Pompeo has just announced that we're going to um, exit the treaty. But there's a lot of speculation that this is merely because we've seen China developing a lot of these their nuclear arsenal because they've not been a part of this treaty, and and because of all the stigma around China and the threat they pose to the U.S., the U.S. wants to be able to either put a treaty put China into this treaty or be able to match China's developing capabilities. You know, you could see a normal Republican president doing something along these lines, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to counter China. Um, and, you know, from a strategic perspective, obviously, there are actually some merits to that. Although I don't know if, you know, expanding our nuclear, expanding the United States' nuclear arsenal is the best use of resources, given no. that we already have thousands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, nor is it a good precedent to set in terms of, you know, ratcheting up tension and pressure in the world at a time when that's you know, really not needed. Mm-hmm. And this... With the in the you know with the background of the trade war will not do anything to help China, U.S. China relations. Um, okay, so that's that's a little bit about my story, the Intel report. Uh, feel free to to look it up, read it. I will post it in the NBN um, re- weekly recap article. But now, Ryan, you want to talk a little bit about what you wanted to bring up? Yeah, uh, I guess speaking of nuclear weapons, Howard Schultz set off. <laughs> Firestorm uh, announcing his candidacy for Ryan, the president. That was a bad transition, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, and so Howard Schultz announced for president, the billionaire we all know and love uh, of Starbucks fame. And he is running as a centrist independent, socially liberal and fiscally... Centrist venti. Centrist, yeah, venti independent. <laughs> uh, centrist independent, you know, the centrists and independents that... Uh, you know, everyone is very excited by and loves and always wants to vote for. <laughs> really fires everyone up. Exactly. So he's done a media long, uh, he's done a week long media tour. Uh, he hasn't, he's yet to propose any policy ideas. Uh, he mostly just says that he wants to unite the country, unlike everyone else running for president who said, who, who say they want to tear it apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a really new, fresh, great yeah. idea. And he's also running essentially against the Democratic Party's ideas of taxing the rich more to fund social programs, which he oh, seems and, to think And is he, he has... How much money does he have? He has over $3 billion. Yeah, there, okay, yeah. that makes sense. That, yeah. yeah, so it makes sense <laughs> that, he, that, he needs, that he needs more money. Yeah. So a few things, I think, worth noting about the Schultz candidacy. The first is that uh, he's not going to win, and mm-hmm. <laughs> he has no chance of winning. I think he must he must know that to suit to a certain degree, and you know the reason why I think is that 
you know, number one, uh, independent candidates, you know, have, have never come close to winning a presidential election. It's hard to see that changing now. Uh, that's first. And second, his brand of politics is not the type that would be able to, to put together a, a large coalition. He's fiscally conservative uh, and socially liberal. Mm-hmm. There are not that many people, uh, even in the middle, that subscribe to those beliefs. Most independents are actually the opposite, or most people in the middle. They're uh, fiscally liberal and socially conservative, mm-hmm. meaning you know they're against abortion, but... They're for unions Mm -hmm. and they're for Medicare for all. Those are a lot of the voters who swung to Trump in the last election Mm -hmm. where, you know, he promised health care for everyone. They liked the health care for everyone. And they also liked the anti-immigrant rhetoric, Mm -hmm. for example. So Schultz fails on that front. And so, you know, it's it's definitely hard to see him getting any traction he, in, yeah, in the middle. Yeah, he appeals even to a small sec, sub-segment of independence, yeah. Exactly. And so his advisors commissioned a poll in which they said a, a centrist independent would get around 30% of the vote in, in, the neck, in the 2020 election, which means that, and this was just a, a centrist independent, didn't say a specific person, which means that whoever was answering the question could picture their dream centrist independent hmm. and only 30% of people voted for mm-hmm. So voted for that centrist independent option. So with Howard Schultz as that option, you'd see even less than 30%. Yeah. So they know he has no chance of winning. That was the best poll they had. <laughs> and so you really have to wonder then, why is he running? One could be because he's a billionaire and very vain and he has advisors who love getting paid and want to advise on a presidential campaign knowing that it won't win but knowing that they'll make lots of money and he's just deluded Mm -hmm. and that certainly could be possible definitely another possibility could be that he and he's he's Profess this, you know, during his week-long media tour, he is uncomfortable with Demo- with the democratic ideas of expanding the social safety and expanding Medicare, expanding, you know, into Medicare for all, uh, increasing taxes on the wealthy, and he wants to run against that, and yeah. is essentially running as a spoiler yeah. to stop the Democrats from taking office and keeping Trump in office because he cannot bear to pay a two percent wealth tax or pay higher marginal taxes. Yeah, it seems. To me, like he does genuinely believe that the left is becoming too progressive um, and too leftist. Um, but I don't know if then his his logic for running is to try and drive the democratic discussion and democratic um, debate into a more centrist view, or if it's to actually spoil the election or what his what his intended goal is. But um, I think. He, I, I, I don't know, maybe this is a question for you, I don't know how much of an impact he'll actually have in the states where it matters in, in, the 20, in 2020. Right, so I think on the, on the first point that it's hard to tell whether he's running as a spoiler or running to change the debate, I think if he's running to change the debate, he would run in the Democratic primary. There's nothing That's stopping true. him. He was a Democrat until five minutes ago when, now, he just, when he announced he was running as, a, as an independent. Yeah, but now, he's, now we're talking about him. <laughs> now, he was just another Democrat. We're talking about him because of how insane his run is. But even, we're not talking about his ideas. But no, one's, exactly. no one's discussing his ideas. But if he was just another Democrat, w- no one would care. Right? 
Exactly. We're not, but 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 that the, there's no idea. Like there, no Democrats are now not like let's run on cutting yes, social security yeah, yeah. and getting rid of Medicare and reducing taxes on billionaires. No one's no what no Democrats running on mm. that. In fact, every single serious Democrat that's announced supports Medicare for all, supports the Green New Deal, and has introduced some sort of taxation yes. on the uber wealthy. Elizabeth Warren uh, and Cory Booker are the, the best Sanders examples. Sanders just of announced that. an estate. Tax. And Sanders, yes, Sanders announced an estate tax. So the Democrats are going in a clear direction. Mm-hmm. The people driving the debate are the people on the left, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. And the reason, you know, that I think Schultz gets so much so much coverage is because he's attacking those people without really offering ideas that would work in a Democratic primary and without really offering ideas that anyone would like. It's such an insane candidacy that you really just have to wonder, is he running to spoil it, to, to have Trump be the president? Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's running to sell books. I don't know. <laughs> and he's not even doing a very good job of that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now that we got, uh, you know, the global threat assessment and Howard Schultz out of the way, and maybe he should have been in the global threat assessment. <laughs> Uh, we are going to get to some of the other top news stories for the week. Yeah, so just running down some other quick bullet points. Uh, Venezuela, I'm sure you've heard about in the news, there's been sort of a massive presidential crisis there. Um, President Nicolas Maduro has won election uh, in recent months, but it was that election was largely denounced by the international community as fraudulent and rigged. Um, And so the president of the National Assembly, Juan Guaido, uh, recently declared himself to be the president of Venezuela, which is constitutional if there's no president. And that is their claim that there's no president because Maduro's election was a fraud. And the U.S. has acknowledged, among a lot of other countries, has acknowledged Guaido and not Maduro. Um, And so this is a, a big factor because it's also kind of a reminiscent of a Cold War dynamic, too, because Russia um, and China are supporting Maduro. Um, so, yeah, keep your eye on that as, as the story develops. Yeah, and I think it's getting some play in the U.S. Um, because of the, you know, South American instability migration factor. Um, so, you know, if, if, if Venezuela breaks down further, you could definitely see a lot of, of immigration coming from Venezuela, a lot of refugees. Um, and also because there's sort of, um, you know, some, some people speaking out on the left saying that they don't want the U.S. Uh, engaged in regime change, mm-hmm. that they don't want the U.S. getting involved uh, in other countries. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, you also have a lot of, you know, traditionally liberal countries that are less interventionist supporting the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, on, on uh, on the other side, there's really only Russia, China, yeah. some other countries that uh, you don't really want to be associated with. Yeah. Um, some Brexit updates, always fun, always mm-hmm. cheery news. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been discussion of uh, invoke or prolonging um, the deadline for um, needing to uh, have uh, some sort of negotiation worked out. So the deadline right now is in March, March 29th, but um, there is a process to extend that into June. And so, I don't know. I don't know what that'll achieve. They'll, they, at this point, it seems like they're in a deadlock. Um, do, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think the the UK needs to figure out what it wants. The the EU has been pretty 
you know, yeah, pretty, they've they've stayed, but they they have their position and they yeah. kept their position the whole time. Uh, it's it's what's happening in the United Kingdom is just a complete mess. Yeah, and really, what it seems like is going to happen. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to see how Theresa May will you know get a majority in Parliament with you know without significant changes to the deal that she negotiated previously with the EU. But given the EU's firm position, it's hard to see how that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from there, from uh, you know, we get back to square one, and it's well, do you do a general election? Do you uh, you know have a second referendum? Um, you know, these are all all possibilities, yep. and and it will be interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple months. But also worth noting just what a mess it's created, mm-hmm. and so much uh, you know needless. You know, needless suffering, needless time waste, uh, time wasted, from mm-hmm. the, just for, all stemming from the Brexit vote. Yeah. A um, couple of other things. The Senate voted this week um, uh, via a non-binding or, or promoting a non-binding resolution to um, not withdraw troops from Syria so hastily as President Trump has proposed. Um, all but one of the prominent Democrats on the Senate who have declared um, that they're running for president, like Booker and Gillibrand, voted against this. So they wanted to vote to uh, support withdrawing troops from Syria. So it's kind of an interesting reversal. I mean, I think uh, the Democratic base probably wants some someone who's, who's less interventionist mm-hmm. than uh, we've seen in the past. And... And, uh, you know, withdrawing from Syria, I I don't think is, uh, you know, for these these people running for president is, uh, I think, a pretty easy decision Mm -hmm. in that I don't think it's very popular among either the Democratic or Republican bases to stay uh, in Syria forever. Yeah. Um, That's, I think, more of the position of... uh, the, the sort of DC policy world, think tank world, uh, is definitely more concerned about that. And, you know, I'm not an expert in Syria, um, but, you know, just, you know, watching the debates, watching, you know, the arguments people make, uh, you know, certainly valid to see, to say, you know, maybe we shouldn't be in Syria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think the big, the big issue has been a lot of people agree that we shouldn't be in Syria long term, mm-hmm. but it's the process by which, first of all, President Trump announced withdrawing troops and the process by or lack thereof process by which he's proposing to withdraw troops. Right. I think people, Democrats largely, largely agree with the end goal, but very much agree with the proce- or disagree with the process. Any other stories you think people should keep track of this week? Uh, I don't think so, but, you know, it's looking like uh, it's going to be an interesting Democratic primary. It's Mm going to be, uh, you know, crazy events happening each week throughout Mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, So keep tuning in. And this will be published after the Super Bowl, but I'm going to make a hasty announcement right now and say congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for winning the Super Bowl. Wow, that's cool. That's (laughs) And this is on Friday, guys, so uh, I'm, I'm a true L.A fan. Yeah. Oh, you are a Rams fan. Yeah, I'm from Los Angeles. Wow. Okay. I'm from California, dude. (laughs) Uh, Right. I forgot about that. Well, um, I'm sure if the Patriots win, Tom Brady's son can expect a nice kiss on the lips. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Have a good week. Bye.